0: This is a dark, disturbing morning for America. Liberals want to rip the blindfold off Lady Justice. Does this mean that in Florida they can decide they're going to pass a law saying that same-sex marriage is not permissible?
1: We are not going back.
0: Alito, in his
2: draft, specifically says abortion's not mentioned in the Constitution.
1: This is all nonsense about mention in the Constitution. They've
3: already come for us. The country's on fire in terms of LGBTQ rights right now.
4: Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Greg Gordon. A Sarajevo court slams anti-queer hate speech. Eswatini LGBTQ rights are acknowledged in a legal loss. And could the U.S. Supreme Court's Roe threat abort queer rights? All that and more this week, now that you've chosen This Way
5: Out... I'm Sarah Montague. And I'm Melanie Keller. With News Wrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending May 7th, 2022. A municipal court in Sarajevo has handed down the first anti-queer hate speech conviction in the history of Bosnia and Herzegovina. Former MP Samra Kosovic-Hydayevich was found guilty of discriminatory hate speech. When the Balkan nation's capital city witnessed its inaugural LGBTQ Pride March in 2019, Haidevich wrote on Facebook, I want people like these to be isolated and put away from our children and society. Let them go somewhere else and make a city, a state, and a law for themselves, but not here. The court said those words hurt the right to equal treatment of members of the LGBTIQ community on the basis of their sexual orientation, gender identity, and sexual characteristics, according to Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty. The former lawmaker is ordered not to repeat those sentiments and has had to pay court costs. Bastia and Herzegovina's four million people are split between Muslim and Orthodox Christian. Bias based on sexual orientation or gender identity was outlawed in 2009, but those laws had not been applied in a legal proceeding until now. Darko Pandurovic of the NGO Sarajevo Open Centre admits it's been a long time since those laws were passed. The centre filed this case and provides legal counsel to advance women's and LGBTQ rights. Pandurovic held the verdict as historic. Since discrimination became illegal, Bosnia and Herzegovina have made slow but steady progress in advancing LGBTQ equality. The government is reportedly working on legislation to legally recognize same-gender couples.
6: LGBTQ activists in Eswatini lost and won in the high court. They were denied legal recognition in the African nation formerly known as Swaziland, but the same ruling acknowledged their right to exist. Eswatini, sexual and gender minorities, challenged the registrar of companies' rejection of their application based on the fact that gay male sex is against the law there. Executive Director Sisanda Mavimbela denounced the court's conclusion that the group wants to sell sex to the public. This is nowhere found in the mandate and vision of the organization. Eswatini is tiny beside its neighbor, South Africa. It's the last remaining monarchy on the continent. King Swati has been on the throne since 1986 and has absolute power in the former British colony. He can even hire and fire judges. A violent attack by his military forces on a pro-democracy protest in June last year resulted in a number of deaths. Although its ruling supported the registrar, the court still wrote, it is clear that our constitution guarantees the rights irrespective of gender or sex. They have a right not to be discriminated against or be subjected to inhumane and degrading treatment. They have a right to associate. These rights are, however, subject to the laws as prevailing in the kingdom. The Southern Africa Litigation Center helped the queer Iswatini group in its legal filings. Its executive director, Anike Mirkoder, said, The judgment highlights once again how hard it is for citizens to assert their rights to association and expression in Iswatini's courts.
5: A bill to make cross-dressing a criminal offence in Nigeria was protested by about 50 people in the capital city of Abuja on May 1st. Convictions under the proposed amendment to the 2013 law outlawing marriage equality would warrant up to six months in prison or a substantial fine, exceeding what most Nigerians earn in a year. Only entertainers are exempt. The West African country is the most populous on the continent and won its independence from Britain in 1960. However, lawmakers kept the colonial-era laws against same-gender sex on the books. Anti-queer hatred runs deep in the country, which has followers of Islam and Christianity in about equal numbers. So the pro-queer demonstration in Abuja was more than remarkable – Social media posts show the mostly young participants dancing to upbeat music and waving rainbow and trans pride flags. Some wore t-shirts or carried placards proclaiming, no queer liberation without trans liberation, and queer rights are human rights. Award-winning writer and activist Aniko de Sanchukuo told Pink News that it was very important for us to come out and show that we actually exist and stake our claim to Nigeria, because there's always this discourse that queerness isn't African. He said his social media accounts were overwhelmed with messages from people telling me that they would kill me.
6: The U.S. Department of Justice is taking Alabama to court with a challenge to the first state-level measure, making life-saving care for transgender young people a crime. The recently enacted law makes it a felony for a healthcare professional to provide gender-affirming care to trans people under the age of 19. Violators are punished by up to 10 years in prison and a $15,000 fine. The Justice Department says the law set to take effect on May 8th denies necessary medical care to children based solely on who they are. Its complaint asks the court to issue an immediate order blocking enforcement of the law while it's fully litigated. A separate lawsuit filed in mid-April is also challenging the constitutionality of the Alabama law. Its plaintiffs are two families with transgender teens and two doctors who have been treating them with puberty blockers and
5: hormone therapy. Three Orlando, Florida area property owners caught on the crossfire are suing Republican Governor Ron DeSantis in federal court over his retaliatory action against Walt Disney World. After Disney announced its belated opposition to the state's infamous don't-say-gay law... DeSantis pushed a bill through the state legislature to revoke the self-governing status of the resort and amusement complex. That special status required Disney to provide its own fire and law enforcement agencies and pay all infrastructure costs. Eliminating Disney's special status apparently leaves local taxpayers saddled with the estimated $58 million in annual public safety and infrastructure costs that the mouse used to cover. Some economists estimate an increase of as much as 25% in Orlando area property taxes as a result. The DeSantis camp insists that such conclusions are partisan political lies. A copycat, don't say
6: gay bill is dead in a Republican-controlled Louisiana state House committee. The 7-4 vote to kill it in the Education Committee this week included every Democrat and three Republicans. Meanwhile, the toll of the political climate is reflected in alarming conclusions from the Trevor Project's annual report. The Queer Youth Suicide Prevention Group released findings this week that almost one in two LGBTQ young people in the U.S. had seriously considered suicide in the past year. Almost one in two trans or non-binary youth said they had made actual attempts. Those were significant increases from previous years. The poll surveyed almost 34,000 self-identified LGBTQ young people across the country. Trevor Project Executive Director Amit Paley drew a direct line from the uptick in suicidal ideation to what he called relentless political attacks against LGBTQ people during this time period.
5: Finally, Karine Jean-Pierre is stepping into the job of White House Press Secretary Jean-Pierre replaces Jen Saki, who has served as press secretary since President Joe Biden's inauguration. Saki will turn over the reins on May 13th, bound for a cable news career. She presented Jean-Pierre to the White House Press Corps on May 5th with an affectionate introduction.
0: As you all know, she will be the first black woman, uh, the first out LGBTQ plus person to serve in this role, uh, which is amazing because representation matters and she is going to, uh, st- she will give a voice to so many and allow and show so many what is truly possible when you work hard and dream big and that matters. And I just want to say I will have a lot to say about how grateful I am for uh, being for the trust the president and the first lady and the whole team have um, have given me and entrusted me uh, in the last 15 months. But this day is about Korean and I want to celebrate her and I just can't wait to see her shine uh, at the podium.
5: Jean-Pierre was born in the French Caribbean nation of Martinique to Haitian parents and has been active in U.S. politics for more than 20 years. She represented the progressive grassroots group MoveOn.org and has served both Presidents Obama and Biden in various campaign and administrative posts. Jean-Pierre is married to CNN correspondent Suzanne Malvo and they have a six-year-old daughter. Glad CEO Sarah-Kate Ellis celebrated Jean-Pierre's elevation. She wrote, To have an out-queer person of color speak for the President of the United States says everything about Karine's talent and heart. Our whole community looks forward to seeing Karine deliver for our nation and represent every LGBTQ person with pride.
6: That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude for the week ending May seventh, 2022 follow the news in your area and around the world. An
5: informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian de Chazor, and brought to you by you. Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you
6: can also read the text of this newscast, and much more.
5: And you can read the transcript and listen to News Wrap each week by subscribing to our This Way Out radio channel on YouTube. For This Way Out, I'm Sarah Montague. Stay healthy.
6: And I'm Melanie Keller. Stay safe.
0: Hello, I'm Armistead Maupin, author of Tales of the City, and you are listening to This Way Out, the international radio news magazine produced by, about, and for our sexually diverse communities
3: and those who love them. This Way Out is supported in part by contributions from our listeners. Thank you.
1: Some give a little each month. Some make a larger annual contribution.
3: More information and a link to give are online at thiswayout.org. Roe v. Wade is an important precedent of the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court of the United States is held in Roe v. Wade that um, a fetus is not a person for purposes of the 14th Amendment. That's the law of the land. I accept the law of the land. It's settled as a precedent of the Supreme Court.
7: Roe versus Wade clearly held that the Constitution protected a woman's right to terminate a pregnancy.
4: Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Barrett, they each assured the people of the United States that a woman's right to choose would be safe in their hands as justices of the Supreme Court. Now they all seem to be singing a different tune with the court's Republican-engineered conservative supermajority. The unprecedented leak of an early draft of their ruling on a Mississippi abortion rights case indicates that they do intend to overturn both of the key previous decisions that have guaranteed those rights, Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. Justice Samuel Alito wrote the scathing opinion that sent shockwaves across the political spectrum on May 3rd. Reactions were swift and just as scathing, as Pacific Radio News KPFA's Christopher Martinez reports. This is a dark, disturbing morning
7: for America. Chuck Schumer of New York is the Democratic Senate leader.
4: The Republican-appointed justices reported votes to overturn Roe v. Wade will go down as an abomination, one of the worst, most damaging decisions in modern history.
7: There was also swift reaction from the other side of the aisle. Republican Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri tweeted, if this is the opinion of the court, it will be one of the greatest opinions in Supreme Court history. But his response was an outlier for Republican Congress members. More typical was Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell, whose statement avoided Roe versus Wade, focusing instead on the leak and calling for punishment.
0: Liberals want to rip the blindfold off Lady Justice. They want to override impartiality with intimidation. They want to elevate mob rule over the rule of law.
4: Republicans are spending all their focus on the leak because they don't want to focus on Roe v. Wade. They know they're on the wrong side of history. They know they're on the wrong side of the American people. So they're ducking it.
7: Senate Leader Schumer says he's scheduling a vote on legislation to codify Roe v. Wade into law, but that faces a tough road because of the Senate filibuster. But former President Barack Obama and Michelle Obama have another idea. They issued a statement urging people to vote in the November midterm elections. Because, they say, in the end, if we want judges who will protect all and not just some of our rights, then we've got to elect officials committed to doing the same. Reporting for Pacifica Radio News KPFA, I'm Christopher Martinez.
4: Activists took to the streets immediately to protest the now-expected ruling. Congressperson Pramila Jayapal of Washington spoke at a rally in Seattle.
1: There is a straight line from upending abortion rights to getting rid of access to contraception to banning gay marriage. And our low-income communities, our black and brown communities, our LGBTQ communities will be the ones who pay the steepest price because abortion won't go away, but safe and legal abortion will, endangering millions of people.
4: The breaking news about the leaked Supreme Court ruling draft happened to coincide with a gala event hosted by EMILY's List, a political action committee that promotes pro-choice Democratic female candidates. Vice President Kamala Harris noted the dangers to the Obergefell marriage equality ruling and the Griswold's birth control ruling in her fiery address.
1: They want to take us back to a time before Roe v. Wade, back to a time before Obergefell v. Hodges, back to a time before Griswold v. Connecticut. But we're not going back. We are not going back.
4: President Joe Biden was about to board Air Force One on May 3rd when reporters caught up with him for comments on the leaked ruling.
0: One of the issues that this court, many of the members of the court, a number of the members of the court, have not acknowledged is that there is a right to privacy in our Constitution. I strongly believe there is. I think the decision in Griswold was, was correct overruling. I think the decision in Roe was correct because there's a right to privacy. There can be limitations on it, but it cannot be denied. If this decision holds, it's really quite a radical decision. The underlying premise, and again, I've not had a chance to thoroughly join into the report, the, the, the decision, but it basically says all the decisions made in your private life, who you marry, whether or not you decide to conceive a child or not, whether or not you can have an abortion, a range of other decisions, whether or not how you raise your child. What does this do, and uh, does this mean that in Florida they can decide they're gonna pass a law saying that same-sex marriage is not permissible? It's against the law in Florida? Uh, so there's a whole, it's, it's a fundamental shift in American jurisprudence.
4: Former presidential candidate, Secretary Hillary Clinton, based much of her campaign on the importance of Supreme Court appointments. She got in some I told you so during an interview with CBS News.
1: I hope people now are fully aware of what we're up against, because the only answer is at the ballot box to elect people who will stand up for every American's rights. And any American who says, look, I'm not a woman. This doesn't affect me. I'm not black. That doesn't affect me. I'm not gay. That doesn't affect me. Once you allow this kind of extreme power to take hold, you have no idea who they will come for next.
5: The
7: another one bites the dust.
4: Comedy Central's Trevor Noah and CBS's Stephen Colbert made satirical hay out of the constitutional right to privacy issue.
2: All across the country, women in places like South Dakota or Missouri or even Texas will have the exact same abortion rights as women in Afghanistan under the Taliban. (laughs) After all these years of the right screaming about the threat of Sharia law, it turns out they were just jealous.
6: Alito was joined in the decision by Clarence
2: Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. So congratulations, ladies. Decisions about what you can do with your body are now being made by four old dudes and a woman who thinks The Handmaid's Tale is a (laughs) (laughs) rom-com. Chief Justice John Roberts was not amused by this leak, saying this was a singular and egregious breach of that trust that is an affront to the court and the community of public servants who work here. I don't blame him for being upset. This leak is a clear violation of the court's right to
6: privacy. How dare someone make this decision for them?
2: The conservative majority on this court has a fundamental right to choose when they want to release a decision into the world. Imagine having some random person violate your privacy and make that choice for you. Who would do
1: such a thing?
4: Bo, Casey, Griswold, Obergefell, and we haven't even mentioned Lawrence v. Texas, the Supreme Court ruling that decriminalized same-gender sex. But don't let your ears glaze over. Our friends Andy Hum and Anne Northrup of Gay USA bring all the issues into focus with the director of the ACLU's LGBTQ and HIV Project, James Essex. It's not like
2: the Supreme Court can't change its precedents. We're glad they upended uh, the original sodomy decision in 1986, 17 years later, and said, no, that was decided wrongly. But in the past, it's always been to add rights, not to take away
3: rights. They are abandoning um, a right um, that has been uh, you know, part of uh, American society and American jurisprudence for 50 years, um, or close to it. Um, and that has become integrated into the way we live our lives. And and the abortion right is so central to the independence of women and other folks who can get pregnant, um, and their ability to, to take control of their lives and decide what um, what happens with their bodies and make decisions that enable their economic participation in society. And that's what is at risk here, um, and why it's so harmful. And and you know, look, we are he- here on a. a, a a program that's about LGBTQ people and and the effect of this on LGBTQ people. And and I know there's a lot of discussion about, okay well, well, what does this mean for LGBTQ rights specifically? But just to state the obvious, like abortion is an LGBTQ right. Uh, It is an LGBTQ issue and, and LGBTQ people. Are affected by um, uh, by this ruling or this expected ruling, um, because we, you know, LGBTQ people, like cis people and head people. Many of us need um, access to this care, and for those of us who don't need the access personally, we need it for the people in our lives, for the society we want to live in.
1: Most of us, or many of us, believe that we do have bodily autonomy, and it is shocking for the court for Alito to sit there and claim that we should now be subject to political whims and uh, voting by state legislatures or anything else. The 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 blow to our uh, integrity and freedom, you know, the these right wingers talk about freedom and yet they are just slashing away at people's individual freedom with this.
2: Well, they, they specific Alito in his draft specifically says abortion's not mentioned in the Constitution.
3: The con- thing that I, I found so troubling about the the Dobbs draft opinion is that while it does say don't worry, um, all of these other rights are not going to be affected here, if the court applied to, let's say, the Lawrence question, the, the criminalizing same-sex intimacy question, the same constitutional analysis that the Dobbs uh, majority applies into the abortion context, they would say, well, gee, um, you know, gay sex isn't mentioned in the Constitution anywhere, so it's not protected.
1: This is all nonsense about mention in the Constitution. Uh, When someone says that, I like to say, well, airplanes weren't mentioned in the Constitution either, and they managed to make decisions in transportation cases, plus which abortion was legal in early days of uh, our country.
2: Now, this was a draft and it was, and you know, it says that it was joined by uh, the the most conservative judges, except for Chief Justice Roberts, but that doesn't mean that they have completely signed on to all this content yet, does it? No,
3: it doesn't, and it's a very, very important point. Here's how the process works. The, the, the week of the oral argument in the case, which I think was back in December, um, the court justices meet in a, in a private conference room and vote on, on how it's gonna come out. And then they assign the majority opinion to one person to write. And then that person develops a draft and then circulates it among the justices. And then they you know, either say, yes, I'll join, or they say, well, you know, I want you to change this. I want you to change that. I want you to change th- this other thing. And there are always lots of changes in the draft. And the draft that was leaked is a draft from February. It's May. You got to wonder, well, like, well, why was the February draft um, uh, leaked? It's not clear. Some folks say it's part of an effort to get back to an earlier, more conservative draft, because it may well have gotten watered down in the interim. I have no idea if that's right or not. It's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's probably going to be the same bottom line and the rough analysis is probably going to be the same. Look, part of the conversation we're having uh, among LGBT, you know, folks commenting on uh, LGBTQ rights in light of the, the Dobbs uh, draft opinion is all about, well, are they coming for LGBTQ folks next? Um, and what are the consequences for us? And these are, those are important questions. I think we have to think about those questions in the context that is like, they've already come for us. Um, We are like the the country's on fire in terms of LGBTQ rights right now, Um, especially um, as you folks well know, the the attacks on trans and non-binary people all across the country Um, with uh, over 300 anti-LGBTQ laws uh, proposed this year, uh, fully half of them focused on uh, attacking uh, trans and non-binary youth.
1: Any mention of LGBTQ people these days is Automatically uh, defined as pedophiles and uh, groomers. groomers.
3: Here we are, back at the the Save Our Children campaign by Anita Bryant in 1977 that was that successfully repealed a gay rights ordinance barring sexual orientation discrimination and employment in Miami Dade County. And here we are again with the main narrative on the other side that we are all. Uh, pedophiles and um, and child abusers. It's an astounding turnabout from seven years ago when, you know, what I kept hearing from people all around me was like, oh, hey, great, great, James, you know, you folks, the LGBTQ movement, you're done. You're so, so not done.
4: James Essex of the ACLU spoke with Ann Northrup and Andy Hum on Gay USA. Thanks for choosing This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Some program material this week came from Sarah Montague and Melanie Keller, produced by Brian Duchaser, from the Pacifica Evening News KPFA, Christopher Martinez, and from Day USA, Andy Hum and Anne Northrop. The Fix and Queen performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed theme music. This Way Out thanks the Kicking Assets Fund of the Tides Foundation, the Ivana Foundation, a bequest from Christopher David Trentrum, and donors James Kennedy, and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible, and we thank you. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at PO Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For associate producer Lucia Chapelle and the entire This Way crew, I'm Greg Gordon. Thanks for listening. Online at thiswayout.org and on WLRI, Christiana, Pennsylvania, KUNM, Albuquerque, New Mexico, CFMH, St. John, New Brunswick, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned.